The Ensemble Advice South Africa podcast is intended for professional financial advisors. All discussion is limited to publicly available information and should not be interpreted as legal, professional or financial advice. Ensemble Advice is not a licensed financial services provider and does not provide financial services. Before making investment decisions, you should obtain financial advice from a qualified financial advisor. I'm Louis van der Merwe, Certified Financial Planner. Join me every week where I get to have discussions with global leaders in the financial planning space to help you serve your clients better and run a more efficient financial planning practice. This is Financial Planners South Africa podcast. Portfolio Metrics is thrilled to bring you this podcast in support of our common passion for people and the evolution of wealth management. Our global business links precision investment management to expert financial advice through partnerships and technology. Portfolio Metrics is an authorized financial services provider. Comspace is a revenue management solution developed specifically for independent financial advisors. It is a web-based application that tracks, allocates, and manages advisor revenue. The system seamlessly reads commission statements from financial institutions and can address any permutation of commission splits. Comspace provides mind-blowing, out-the-box revenue business intelligence and analytics, along with super-flexible reporting to effectively manage and grow your business. Welcome to another episode of Ensemble Advice South Africa. Today in the studio, I have with me Tim Slatter. Tim is a communications expert, has been communicating the value of financial planners communicating well to their clients, and we haven't been listening. Tim, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Louis. This is such a wonderful topic because we see tons and tons of research around the most important thing advisors can do is to constantly communicate with their clients, to their clients, holding their hands during tough times, yet we suck at it. <laughs> what's what's the deal? Why uh, why are we so bad? Is it just is it advisors specifically, or is it people in general? Like, what's the what's the stumbling blocks? I think you've, it's a a multifaceted, complicated journey for most, and it's because communication sits right at the heart of all relationships, right? And relationships themselves are tricky. Life is tricky. The way we're feeling, the way we're thinking changes almost constantly. And you throw into that mix a digital avatar space where we are no longer, you know, are you online or offline? I think for most of us, the reality is we're pretty much connected to online all the time, regardless, whether we're getting a ping from our cell phone, we're jumping on to check emails, uh, whatever the case may be. And we're not always in a great state of mind. We might be frustrated. We might be tired. Uh, we might be overwhelmed. And then we see a pile of emails to respond to, or we see some interaction on a social media platform, or we, we have a whole lot of unread WhatsApp messages. And all of these become the way that people perceive and engage with us online. And so it's not just about having a social media presence, which I think is maybe where, from my experience, the stumbling blocks start is people think, well, if I'm going to start communicating more with clients, I need a Facebook page or I need a LinkedIn profile. Um, and they perceive it to be easy and affordable and cheap because you know you don't have to pay for those things up front. We are, we are the, uh, the product at the end of the day, as we know, when it comes to social media products. 
Um, and the minute they dive in, they realize, oh, it's not actually as quick as I thought it was going to be. There's so many more questions I've got to answer here. It's not as straightforward. And they put it off. Um, and then they consider working with a professional and they think, no, it's going to cost too much money. And so they kind of get into this perhaps a, a really um, unhealthy cycle of not acting and not engaging online as authentically and as freely as they would if, if they ran into f- clients or a prospect at a coffee shop. And I always say to, to financial advisors that in person, in the real world, they're generally very conversational, very personable, can pick up on their kind of people, who their clients are, who they want to work with. But the minute they step into the digital realm, that seems to be veiled and inaccessible and tricky to to know what you what they need to do, what the next steps look like. So years ago, and I'm talking about 2016, just after we started niching into this industry, I spoke at a conference uh, for some financial advisors, and the whole point of it was to saying your online strategy needs to start offline because guys are jumping online without thinking through what I want to achieve here, who do I need to speak to, what is my message, and that's where they then feel like it's overwhelming. It's too much time. It's too expensive. People are throwing all these uh, acronyms and all this jargon at me, and I don't have half the stuff I'm supposed to have. I don't have half the tools I'm supposed to have. And in our brains then, like anything, we overcompensate and make it way more complicated than it needs to be. Tim, this is, I mean, it's such an important point you're mentioning right off the bat. It's about relationships. And for me, relationships are around managing expectations, right? Absolutely. Setting those expectations of how are we going to communicate? What's the frequency? What is the quality of the communication? Have you seen anyone do this really well where they take clients through discussions of setting those ground rules? Or do we just, you know, flow into it and say, well, we'll adjust to whatever your preferences are, right? Do you prefer email or cell phone or should we have a call? Yeah. So um, that's a great question. And and I think it's communication is two-way. So healthy communication is a dialogue, not a monologue. And one of the huge hurdles that we have, especially in South Africa, um, I think some of the first world countries have, have done a little bit more legwork in this area is that we actually have a very immature and young internet culture, online digital branding culture. And so not only do financial advisors not necessarily know what their strategy for engaging is, generally your clients haven't established their boundaries, haven't established what they want. So if you go and say to people, how do you want to hear from me? What does it look like? They're probably not even ready to answer that question and don't know what it could look like. That being said, it's a great survey to do with your clients is to find out how regularly they want to hear from you um, and what kind of platforms would make sense for them. But again, as I said right at the start, it's quite a complex journey. So it's not just about how often you're speaking and what platforms you're using. You've got to know what your message is. And I always refer to the five W's and the H, the who, what, when, where, why, and how. And... um, I put them into two categories of three. So you've got your um, the how, the when, and the where, which is typically where a lot of guys jump into their strategy because they're like, well, I'll, you know, like I said earlier, we'll make a Facebook page. We'll start a newsletter. We'll start a podcast. Um, we'll do a weekly send through WhatsApp um, with all these great intentions, um, but they haven't done the who, the why, and the what. And that for me is far more important to saying, who am I speaking to? 
what do I want to say to them and why am I saying that? And, and it's also not linear, it's cyclical. So who I'm speaking to will influence what I say and why I say it. And why I want to say this message will influence who I'm going to target as my audience and again, my message, etc. And it goes around and around. And so for me, when you, when you want to look at your strategy and if you're listening to this and you're feeling frustrated or you feel like you jumped in too quickly, those are the first three things you should just quickly jot down and start thinking about is what is my ideal um, target audience look like? And we could talk a little bit about authenticity and how that plays into that message. Why do I actually want to speak to them online? Because you know, although I said we, we are separate, well, we're no longer separate from our digital avatars anymore, online may not be the right strategy for you. And you don't have to go online because everyone else is online. So I'm pretty sure as you think about it, you will come to the conclusion that yes, you do need to be online. Um, but at least then you know that you want to be online because it makes sense to you and your message and your audience. Um, and then as you're working with that, you'll think, well, what do I, I have to say? And and you know, guys like um, I think it was Johan Oerstes and with the Gallup Strengths and and um, his old journey that he helps guys go on is about understanding what your value proposition looks like from a strengths perspective, and that is very important in your communication strategy. Knowing who you are and how you add value, not just create value, because you can create a whole lot of value, but it's not adding to anyone else's life, then they're not going to jump on board and see it as as a value adding exercise. Um, but when you, you've got this journey of knowing who you are and articulating how you add value, so not the products you sell, uh, not the services you give, but the way you change people's lives makes a huge difference in um, how you're going to communicate that online. Um, and so when you jump back into that side of the strategy and then you explore down the line, well, then will we use a newsletter? Will it go out monthly? Will we use WhatsApp? You can now, when you ask your clients in that survey, you can say, we have a monthly newsletter and you can even filter it down and say, in this newsletter, we cover topics like school fees, how we save money um, in the changing environment, how we invest when things are uncertain um, and let your clients know that it's life-centric stuff, not just market or product-centric topics. Um, you could say, we also have a weekly WhatsApp and then you can say it's a short, quick, whatever, um, rather than just giving them this open-ended, how do you want to engage? Because a lot of clients assume, well, if I'm going to hear from my financial advisor, it's going to be to, to get me to up my RA, or it's going to be to increase this, or you know, buy a new product. And you don't want them to have this perception that when they engage with you, it's going to be a transaction. You want them to have this perception that when they engage with you, it's actually going to be a conversation, not a transaction. And I find that is very helpful for a lot of advisors who are trying to rethink their strategy and their their online engagements. That's so helpful. I mean, I've heard of it being referred as the four whiskeys and a Heineken. So it's just kind of cool. thinking thinking about those those questions. And at the same time, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk has a famous book called Jab, Jab, Hook. So with right. that, it talks about, you know, you can give me some something for free, something that, you know, my, I might value. But at some point, it's okay to pitch for some business. I want to talk a little bit about that piece. Like, when is it okay to to have a bit more of a sales or transactional piece within your communication? Is that never? Is that like five percent of the time? How do you start unpacking that piece? Or you know, am I am I tackling this on the wrong end, saying that is a tactic, and start with your your biggest strategy first? Yeah, absolutely. So, I've always been a believer that. You know, when we do things for the right reason, 
everything else will follow. So, you know, when you follow the vision, pro-vision comes after that. And it's it's all about, you know, you, you have a lot of kind of people talking about a new culture that we're moving into, a new state of awareness where people are going a lot deeper into the meaning and the emotion behind why we do what we do. Uh, you know, it's a big part of financial transitions planning as well um, and realizing and acknowledging the people behind the money. You know, I believe that if you are, because I don't think you can separate life from money and money from life. I really believe the culture and the world in which we live, the two are linked inextricably. If you want to go for a walk on the beach, in the forest, do something that you think is free, you've actually bought that time, haven't you? You've had to earn enough money for you not to be sitting at home working and doing that. If you want to go out to dinner, if you want to get an Uber, if you want to drive your own car, all of that has required a financial transaction. Um, and so for me, it's not necessarily about not pitching the the product or the service you're doing, but it's about connecting with the people at a life level where it's an obvious next step. Um, I realize you're a financial planner and this is what I need to do in my life next. This is what's just happened to us. There's been a retrenchment. There's been an illness. What do we do? And then you would straight away jump in, well, we need to assess your medical cover or we need to look at what investments we can cash in to do this or et cetera. And that's where your skills just jump in. And if you've established yourself as someone that your clients can trust, they're not going to be looking for keywords of the fiduciary nature. You know, They're not looking necessarily for offshore investments or for immigration tactics and stuff like that. They're thinking, panic, I need to go be with my parents in Perth. What do we do? Um, and then you can talk them through that journey. And, and then you would bring in the financial products and, and the, the planning side of it. But that being said, as long as you've got a bias in your communication, so a four to one or a six to one of points where four to six points of communication are lifestyle oriented, um, and then you've got one that is specifically speaking about something that's going on in the markets or something that's going on with products, um, you're going to create this because it's it's a perception thing. This is all about public relations, actually. Um, it's not a marketing exercise. It's PR. And as long as that perception there is that I'm here to help you, I'm here to listen, I'm here to understand then you've you've got them hooked, right? Because then they know, okay, you've got my best interests at heart. If you say we need to buy or sell or move or whatever, we're going to take that under consideration. Um, but the minute I, I feel like the bias is to make a sale, then I'm going to be hesitant when you give me advice. Does that answer yeah, that question? Earn that, that relationship and that transaction. Yeah. Tim, I mean, you work predominantly with financial planners and you just mentioned you know life you can't decouple money and yeah. life how did you end up deciding hey this is the market i'm going to work with because a lot of financial planners struggle to find their their niche or the, in like an american term the niche like yes. who it is that you're going to be doing and then does that mean you don't do this work for anyone else like talk me through how you ended up here cool so in 2011 i started an online reputation management business and our goal was just to help small businesses communicate more authentically online. Um, I was coming out of a position as a pastor in a church, and so I was already involved in a community where there were a lot of small business owners, and I got to see the life side of them, um, not really the business side of them. And, and the more I got to know the businesses and seeing how they were showing up online, I saw there was this disengagement um, and knowing the people and saying, guys, we can rewrite this for you. Uh, we can explain this better. Like there's there's some different words we can play around with, and um, you yourself will feel more engaged with your online brand. Um, I always feel like if you like your online brand, you're going to share it more, right? 
Um, I've spoken to so many advisors who start the conversation with like, they say, Tim, don't go to our website because it's nothing of what we are. It doesn't look like us. It doesn't sound like us. Um, we need to fix it, right? But if if your website looks and feels like your message and who you are, you're going to share it more and you're going to use it in meetings with clients, whether they are virtual meetings, video meetings, or whether they're in real life meetings. And so building a brand that... Um, helped small businesses engage with their, their customers, their clients, was really a, you know, a, a, a passion of mine and an authentic journey for me. Um, and after about four or five years of doing that, we built a base of about half our clients at that point were financial advisors. Um, and it, it just kind of organically grew that that's who we were working with. How did that happen? Sorry to interrupt you, but how, like, how did you end up getting half of your clients of financial advisors? They just, um, so I'm trying to think who, so Terence Tobin, as I'm sure you know Terence, he was one he of was the first. He was a previous guest, one of the first episodes. So. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So he was an early client um, and he'd already started his own website and newsletter and was just struggling to run it. Um, and I was doing ORM for one of his mates, Sheldon. And Sheldon kind of had said to Terence, oh, you should meet Tim. He can help you do what you're doing. And then through my existing financial advisor, um, I started working with his team um, because he saw I was doing websites and blogs and newsletters. And he was like saying to his guys, hey, we've got to use Tim because our stuff sucks. Like we've got to get it next level. You know, uh, we can be doing a lot more. Um, and then through them, you know, um, they'd come out of a previous business of being a Liberty franchise. So they had some other tied Liberty agents. And I mean, that's a whole niche network in themselves. You you work with one Liberty guy and your name kind of goes around and everyone starts to engage. So it, it was really was, it was word of mouth. And I think I enjoyed it. And so, you know, where your your energy and your intentions go, you know, that's where things start to flow. So I was attracted to financial advisor. I was attracted to the conversation of making it more life-centric. I didn't know lifestyle financial planning was a thing back then um, or life-centered financial planning or any of that. Um, I was really just you know, I thought advisors needed blogs on RAs and uh, investing tips and stuff like that. And that's where we started. And after a few months um, of creating a content model that was scalable, that could allow them to focus on one-on-one engagement with clients. So um, taking, you know, the bulk communication responsibility and arduous task of trying to stay in touch with 200 clients um, or 100 clients or 300 clients every month we created a solution so now they could deal with five or six guys who actually were ready to do something um, and needed them. And then in 2016, we said, we, we're just going to work with financial advisors because there's so much, it's huge. It's like, I just realized there's a massive pool um, and opportunity here. And it was the kind of work I really enjoyed doing. It was the content I enjoyed creating. So I jumped headfirst in, in 2016. Um, we created what is known as Contato. And Contato is really just Italian for in touch in communication. It's got a cool little hook. Um, I'm I'm not Italian. Everyone always asks me, are you Italian? And no, I'm not. Um, and and the whole goal was to create a, a, a turnkey solution where if you don't have a website, we'll hook you up. If you don't have blogs, we'll hook you up. If you don't have a newsletter, we'll hook you up. And that forms the base for any social media engagement. Um, and And that's how we started working with financial advisors. It's wonderful to hear how your journey 
is very similar to how we often hear businesses grow, financial planning businesses grow, right? Word of mouth, I don't need to do much marketing. My clients are all being referred. I don't have to worry Man. about these marketing tactics or, or strategies. And, and it sounds like your approach has been similar. How has the communication strategies helped you in building this business that financial planners listening today could say, ah, oh, okay, you know, I realize that word of mouth is still probably the, the number one source of new yeah. business, but how can I combine that with these communication strategies? I've, I've, I like to work in threes, right? So I've, I've always got these like little weird three things, um, which I should probably think of a better word for that in itself. But let's let's go with that for now. So um, there's the three C's that I always like to talk about, which is um, content, community, and connection, um, which is the same way around us talking about your what, your why, and your who. Um, and so when you're building um, a business, not just financial planning or not just a communication strategy, you need people that are going to pay you for what you're doing. You need a community. Um, and I always think about um, that movie, I think it's called iRobots, where the dad said to his son, see a need, fill a need. And I've always said to my own kids, you know, you don't have to think, well, I'm going to be a doctor one day, or I'm going to be a financial advisor, or I'm going to be a lawyer, whatever, you know, you try and frame these these lofty goals for your kids. And then they probably do the opposite, right? Advisor <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think, I think financial planners are, and advisors are one of the most needed professions, you know, in the world because so many of us just need that sounding board. We need someone because that's who I've had. I mean, my financial advisor is like a big brother to me. Um, and I posted on LinkedIn the other day that I love my financial advisor and I, and I genuinely do, you know, I wish I could see him more. Um, and it's because he's become so integrated in my life and my family and I've become integrated in his and it's more than just planning side as you know, you get that. Um, and so when you're building a business and you see a need that, that starts to become your what. And a bit of your why, um, because you know, if I see that there's a need for people to build houses in my road, I'm not going to jump in there because I have no interest in building houses. Um, but if I see a need for how that housing development is communicated and how it's helping uplift and whatever and provide job opportunities, I might jump into the communication of that and say, guys, hey, we can help you get this online. We can engage more with your target audiences and get your message out there, so you can have more people engaging with what you're doing. So. You know, your content, your community, and your connection are all crucial. And so often, small businesses don't think intentionally about that. They kind of just, as it lands in their lap, they deal with it, and then they move on to the next thing. And they don't really strategically craft um, a journey of who am I speaking to? What do they need? How am I going to tell them how I add value to them? Um, and so what I did in my own business was I saw a need for small businesses to engage and show up authentically online. And that's that's been at the core of what I do from 2011. Um, and if you've followed any of my content, the word authenticity comes up quite a lot. Um, and I, I keep coming back to that because I too get distracted by the pictures and the videos and um, how many hits we're getting and are we posting frequently enough. And, and um, the tools can sometimes overshadow the heart behind why we're doing what we're doing. And so we've got to keep coming back to why do we want to engage? What is that connection? What does that look like? What content is helping me articulate? And who are the people receiving that message? Financial advisors often say to me, oh, I've tried LinkedIn. It doesn't work. So I'll go, cool. Who are you connected to on LinkedIn? How many of your clients are, are 
just financial planners. So I said, well, if you're a financial advisor connected to 300 financial advisors on LinkedIn, you're not going to get any business out of that. You know, you'll learn a lot and you'll have a wonderful community of guys who can support you and answer questions for you and maybe give you job opportunities. Um, but you're not going to connect to clients because you're not speaking to any prospects. Um, and so, you know, that's a, an easy way for guys to think, oh, sheesh, community, it's so important. I always say if you walk into Cape Town Station and you go out on the promenade there with your business cards as a financial advisor, how much business are you going to get? You know, and I mean, but come on, there's there's hundreds of people there. Surely you're going to get one client, you know, and it's very easy for advisors to go, no, that's the wrong place. It's the wrong people. Um, and that's you, now you just apply that to online. So where do you think professional people might be? Professional people who you like to work with, who you have a connection to. So whether you're married to one of them, whether you grew up with one of them, whether you used to be one of them, what does that community look like? Um, and then you'll be able to see, ah, oh, those are the, the types of professionals that I want to engage with. And you'll realize that of all the social media platforms, LinkedIn generally is the easiest place to target specific professions, specific people geographically, and engage with them. Um, whereas Facebook and other platforms, it's very difficult to be specifically targeted to those types of people. It's easy to find people you went to school with, if you know them by name. It's easy to find people you studied with, worked with. Um, but building a new list of prospects is really tricky. And then once you've connected with those people, what do you send them? How do you engage? What does that communication journey look like? So what I do in my own business, I, you, you know, I started a business. I was creating authentic ways for people to engage. And that typically looked like a website, regular blogs, and a newsletter. And then I could start to target and I said, financial advisors, I'd love to work with you. Um, I can help you engage with your clients by creating website, newsletters, and blogs. Exactly what I did for my own business and how I grew my own demographic. Um, I, I'm a huge advocate of LinkedIn, as you'll know, because LinkedIn helped me build my business. Um, and it wasn't just LinkedIn. I've spoken at many events, whether they've been webinars, conferences, um, little chapters of independent brokers. You know, there's, there's these small chapters of 15 to 30 brokers all over the country. Um, and they're normally geographically centered. And it's a wonderful way to have some face time with people. And a lot of my clients came from speaking at those events. Um, but those event opportunities typically came from being present online and guys saying, oh, Tim's got this consistent message. Uh, he's consistently saying this. He's still helping these guys. Maybe we need to start listening. Maybe we need to invite him. Um, and some of that took three, four, five years. Some of it took one, two, three months. Um, so it's a combination of creating content that your clients can engage with, but also that they can share. Because that then, you know, I always say to advisors, you want your clients to talk about you behind your back, don't you? Because when that happens and when it's good stuff, you're going to get more clients out of it. But if they don't hear from you often and they don't really have stuff to talk about you, it's going to be very difficult. But if you're sharing blogs that are lifestyle-centric that they can share with inside of their networks and social communities, it builds the advocacy around your personal brand. And if they bounce off saying, oh, you know, I've worked with Louis for a couple of months and he's really helped me simplify my financial plan or understand the transition of my dad passing and what we need to do. You know, you, I'll send you a message. You guys can connect and you can engage. Now, all of a sudden, you haven't had to cold call that client. You haven't had to nurture that relationship. Um, someone else has started to build the journey of getting to know, like, and trust you on your behalf. And I guarantee you, when you're referred to someone, because you're saying just now, advisors go, oh, I get word of mouth referrals. 10 years ago, People got a referral and they would phone you. 
Now they get a referral and they're going to Google you. And if you don't come up with something current, it's immediately going to put a little black smudge against who you are. They're like, is this person still legit? Do they still, you know, stock vending machines? Or no, they're now a financial How planner. How committed are they? Yeah. No, you know, um, because most people, I think, in their 40s um, who have become ideal clients for financial advisors have been burnt by a couple of advisors in their earlier years um, and are aware of the sales tactics, don't want to be sold to, don't want to be told what to do with their money. They want to come with their agenda and they need someone who's going to give them a brand new experience. Not going to ask the same questions they've asked before. Not going to offer them the same experience they've been offered before. And all of that can be built and prefaced and supported by your online brand. It sounds like a lot of this is really managing the expectations of what this communication strategy can do, right? It's, oh, you know, we expect sales to run through the door or we fixate on this vanity metrics. Hey, we had a thousand mm. downloads or you know, clicks, yeah. which doesn't really mean anything. What's a, what's a more valuable way of measuring the success? Like, what would you put in place to say, cool, these are realistic outcomes if you do it right. And, and you know, what would be the warning signs that would show you, Hey, you're, you're on the right path. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, return on investment or ROI for PR has always been a tricky one. Um, you know, marketing is, is a lot easier to do ROI because you can put 10, 20, 30,000 into a campaign and then measure how many people responded and what business that uh, translated or converted into. Because marketing is generally campaign driven, whereas PR is um, lifetime, it's there the whole time. You've got to consistently keep building. And I always use the analogy of a bakery, um, partly because I love coffee and confectionaries. You sure you're not Italian? Yeah, I know. I know. I often say to my wife, like, all we need is pasta, pomodoro, and red wine, and we're good to go. So, you know, I love hanging out in coffee shops. I love the vibe, the energy, everything about it. But if I walk into a coffee shop and the floors are sticky and the coffee Mm. is bitter and the confectionaries are stale and old and there's a fly buzzing around, I'm not going to buy there and I'm never, ever going to go back again. You know, but if I walk in there and the windows are clean and the layout is cleverly thought and it's... It's got good flow and I can smell those beans have been freshly brewed and I can taste the coffee and it's the right almond milk and it's the right almond croissant and, you know, the, all those flavors and things. And I go, oh, can't wait to come back, you know. That's kind of what your online brand is like for your, your, your clients. If they go to your website and it's the same stuff they've always seen, if they get a newsletter that's the same subject line, uh, if it's the same three articles in the last two newsletters you sent out, if you're always banging on about the same, you know, Ukraine, Russia war, or China's done this, or Trump's done this, or Ramaphosa's has done this, or ESCOM load shedding, blah, 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 they, it's going to start to feel stale. Um, but when it's always fresh and it's consistently thinking out the box or meeting your clients, you don't even have to be ridiculously clever. You've just, like I said earlier, you've just got to be authentic. Um, because if you're not, if you're trying to be something you're not, you're never going to sustain it, right? Um, but if you're just being who you are, you're going to attract your people and, and they're going to stick around with you for whatever your quirks are or aren't. And so inside of measuring the um, effectiveness of a campaign, you've got it. I say every practice is different. So some guys don't ever really hear back from clients through their emails, but they're getting clients every month saying, oh, we need to do this. We need to do that. Clients who they maybe haven't heard from for two years, three years. And all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden I say an inverted 
outcome is there. They hear from them. Yeah. Yeah. But it's actually because your client keeps getting a mailer from you. And like every month, like, oh, I need to chat to do about this. Or, you know, we're having a baby. We need to remember to do this. And then they forget because life happens. And then six months later, they're like, oh, let's move. And it's not this random event anymore. It's it's something that because you've been consistent, you have been um, top of mind for long enough, they're now ready to engage. Um, and so for some advisors, they'll get responses to emails and people will be very complimentary. They go, oh, thank you. We loved your newsletter. We love what you said. Always so good to you know hear from you. Um, for other people, it will be, we'd love to book an appointment. Um, I'd like to introduce you to my fiance. When can we meet? Can we get her onto my financial plan? What does that look like? Um, for other advisors, it'll be um, reactions and comments on their social media because that's where they're doing well at the moment. Um, for other guys, it might just be increased engagement in WhatsApp and realizing I'm getting lots more people starting to ask me to do this and engage with me through WhatsApp. Um, and it's you, you've got to set expectations that are based on your original strategic intent. And my kind of feeling on that is to engage more deeply with your clients. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, it's the old um, quality over quantity. I I don't have to get 100 new clients by the end of the year, but if I've been able to sustain and build my business by 5 10%, that's pretty good odds, especially in the current climate. And Tim, your analogy of this coffee shop just reminds me of that golden thread and how important it is to kind of tie it back to the physical experience, right? Someone actually yeah. coming to your office, someone experiencing it. I know you primarily focus on the online presence, but how do you connect those two? Like is it does it make sense to have someone allocated in your business to take responsibility of that because i think a lot of financial planners when you know they get too busy to think about oh like yeah. is this golden thread flowing through yeah yeah absolutely so you know often this is where coaches can be very helpful um because it's it's a second pair of eyes on your business that's objective that um sees the things that you don't see anymore because they've been in front of you for so long right um, How did we and, miss that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, so it doesn't necessarily have to be, because I know a lot of guys are one-man shows. Um, it doesn't have to be someone you employ uh, if you don't have the resources to do that. But having someone who's able to look at your business and go, you know, this is the way you typically email a client and start the journey. And then they arrive at your office and, and there's there's an incongruency here. You can, why don't you tell, tell your clients about the in in-house coffee shop you've got or tell them that they can choose what soft drink they want or um, if you're going to come to their house that you're going to bring a housewarming gift or something like that um, where that you know you can start to have surveys and things that are built into your communication journey that say when we come and visit um, what would what can we bring you you know do you like red wine do you prefer a bottle of fancy sparkling water can we bring you flowers you know, those types of things. Um, if you'd like to go out somewhere, do you want to go to a coffee shop? Do you want to come to our offices? Where would you feel more comfortable? You know, and you might even, you know, I've seen some some great ideas online for advisor um, office setups where, you know, they've got creative tools in the room. They might have guitars. They might have uh, drawing and painting. And you might say, just come in for a creative half hour. We're going to chat about financial planning and draw a picture together. Um, or do some adult coloring in books, you know, and guys might think, sheesh, I just needed that half an hour of downtime to relax, to recenter myself, to breathe um, before we even start talking about financial planning. Because if you're talking to your clients from a stressed perspective, they're not going to make good decisions. 
Um, and if you're overwhelming them with the content you're creating, again, you're also going to stress them out. So depending on how creative you are and the ideas you've got for your physical environment, absolutely, um, you should have that flowing through. So if you've got a fancy office that's really cutting edge and it's crisp and you've got all your Apple computers lined up, then that's the kind of look and feel you're going to want for your online communication. Um, but if you always visit your clients in their lounge at six o'clock in the evening and you take pizzas through for the whole family and treat them, then that's the kind of the look and the feel that you're going to want to create online. Tim, when you mentioned the guitars that are standing in the yeah. in the boardroom, I, I spotted on LinkedIn, he calls himself the Eddie Van Halen of financial planners. Perfect. And what he does on LinkedIn is he covers some of the Van Halen songs and he plays guitar in his boardroom. Wow. This is a gentleman in probably late 50s, early 60s. And he's built his brand around the fact that he truly enjoys playing electric guitar. And it's so memorable. Sure. You know, Seth Godin tells us about being remarkable and something that people yep. want to remark on. He never talks yep. about what's going on in the markets. He never talks about anything financial wow. planning. But out of the thousands of financial planners that I can picture, I know this yeah. guy. Yeah, absolutely. Donald Miller calls it the stickability factor. And it's it's what sticks out, what stays in people's memories around who you are. And if you bring that through, in, in so from a PR perspective, we call it uniformity of branding. Um, and you know some people fixate on fonts and colors and pictures, which is part of it. Um, but ultimately, what those are trying to do is they're trying to communicate what does it look and feel like if I had to meet you in person? If I had to sit with you for an hour, what energy am I going to feel like when I leave? You know, because we are all different. And I, I love the Enneagram, and I think you and I may have spoken about the Enneagram once before. Um, but there are people, you know, who show up as being thinkers for the next thing, and you know, they've always got a project on the go, and they've got a great idea. Um, there are people who show up as peacemakers, and they're always just trying to keep everyone in the room health um, happy. Uh, you've got people who um, are really good at sticking to the rules and sticking to the structures and making sure everything's staying on board the way it should. Um, you've got people who just like to observe and listen um, and see what's going on in the room. And all of us will either be energized by that or overwhelmed by that. Um, and again, it comes back to authenticity. It's it's knowing who you are. And you know that's why I love some of the work that Johan Wersthausen does because it helps you dive deeper into that. Um, but if you're building an online brand and you are communicating regularly with your clients, that information should be articulated through what you're saying regularly, whether it's you know playing an Eddie Van Halen song in your boardroom, um, or whether it's taking baked goods through because you love baking, or uh, whether it's, yeah, wh whatever your thing is, you're going to find other people are attracted to that. I think it's just that showing up authentically, you know, that you that you mentioned where we are trained and so almost ingrained that we have to adapt ourselves. There's a famous book called The Sales Dogs and it's like, okay, how do you how do you change the way you approach someone based on their preferences? But what we're talking yeah. about today is hey, showing up the way that, you know, you normally would, no, not necessarily hiding behind that because that's something someone can connect to and I'm imagining that's the the third leg of your of your three-legged stool, the connection Peace. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I was never a financial advisor myself, but I've, I've sat in enough meetings to know that there are traditional sales approaches um, that say to fresh, young, new 
advisors in this industry saying anyone with two legs in a wallet is a potential client. And that is not true. <laughs> that is really damaging and unhealthy. And that's where you you then try and show up for that person and you try and show up for someone else because you are becoming a comedian. But when you realize that there's a small group of people who are really going to connect with you and your money philosophy and need your help to help them manage their money, to manage their lives, and those are the people you want to connect with. So when you have those types of expectations and understanding, if we come back to what you said earlier about expectations of our online brand, then you realize I don't need 7,000 followers on LinkedIn. Um, I don't need 6,000 followers on Instagram. I only need about 150 to 500 people who are on the same journey as me, who get what I want to do, um, because then you're going to love showing up in those spaces. And when you love showing up in those spaces, you're going to be consistent and people are going to enjoy what you have to say. And then your message is not just, again, it's not about products and markets. It's about the latest camera lens. It's about the latest photography technique. It's about the latest electric guitar, or have you tried these strings, or you know, have you ridden this bike? Have you done that trail? Um, you know, you got kids. Have you tried this uh, YouTube channel for your kids? Have you tried this weekend activity for them? And all of a sudden, you connect with that community, and that's almost where you know, mommy bloggers and um, that whole industry—they understand that um, they are very community driven. And I think when when financial advisors realize that their online communication is community-driven, they'll find it a lot easier to engage in a constructive and a consistent way. Tim, it comes back for me to, you shouldn't just be segmenting on age and gender. You should be figuring out what's important to your clients and making sure that those things align with you. I've had yeah. an interesting experience with a few clients where they've said to me, in our next meeting, I don't want to only meet with you. Please bring your daughter along. I want to meet sure. her. And I, I want to, and, and for yeah. me, these are people that are in very different life stages than what I am. They're very different age. They have different things going on, but family is important to them. And kind yeah. of that, to me, in today's conversation, that becomes clear that we can communicate that and we can celebrate and we don't only have to shy away and say, oh, that's not professional. We can't uh, yeah. do that. You know, it's authentic yeah. and connecting. Absolutely. You know, when, you, when you're willing to, um, and, and another word that's, that's quite helpful in this conversation is vulnerability, mm. um, which obviously Brene Brown has helped us understand at a much deeper professional level. You know, vulnerability often was not the, the thing to bring into professional conversation, but we realized if we're going to be authentic, we're going to have to be a little bit vulnerable as well. Um, and you might find that going to K Cafe with your daughter and taking a client and their daughter is a wonderful way to spend a morning, hang out with your kids hang out with clients, get some financial planning done, have a good brekkie, do something creative. And, and for me, when we were, when I was studying um, for, uh, public relations management, um, I, I remember very clearly us learning about culture. And the example that was given was Western versus Eastern. Um, and Western culture was very structured. And you've got your hour now for business, and it's business. And then after that, we'll do two hours of pleasure or a dinner or a golf game or whatever it looks like, but they don't really mix. Whereas in the Eastern um, approach and the culture was more of, we're just going to be in this place and we'll cover various topics. My family will be present. We might talk about business. We might have a meal together. Uh, and it, it was less structured. And I, I was always 
really kind of attracted to that sense of flow and organic engagement. And, and that's what we always try to bring through in the communication strategies that we're crafting for financial advisors, the blogs that we're writing. We're trying to find these connections between if I start talking about um, what school I choose for my kids, I can then start to think about, well, what are the school fees going to be? What are the extramural opportunities? How do those add to the holistic fulfillment of my child? How's that going to affect my family when my kid comes home from school? Um, how much is that going to cost me every month? What's the end goal going to be? Um, what opportunities will they have after we've been through this experience? Um, that's a much more holistic way of looking at it than saying, you know, you shouldn't be paying more than 6,000 rand a month for school fees, or you shouldn't be paying less than 6,000 rand a month for school fees. Um, and some people go, wow, 6,000, that's a heck of a lot of money. How are we going to ever afford that? Um, and then you can open up the conversation of how they can do that. And is it even something they want to afford? Because they don't actually have to do that. There are some other options as well that can cost them next to nothing. Um, and, you know, COVID and lockdown and the explosion of online engagement has made so many other ways to engage available to us. So many ways for advisors to engage with their clients, but also to add value to their clients and how they live their lives and run their businesses. Tim? Thank you for lifting the hood on communication strategies and why it shouldn't have to be so scary, why it doesn't have to be perfect before you get started. And please, can you share your preferred contact method for people that want to reach out to you to maybe have an additional conversation or take this a little bit further? Absolutely. Um, I'd love to connect over LinkedIn. That's become kind of the cornerstone uh, of my brand space where people can engage because you can go and have a look at the kind of content we've created. Um, you can book an intro meeting straight through my LinkedIn profile as well. Um, and we can take it from there. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Tim, and all the best. Thanks, Louis. It's been great to, to chat with you today. All the best to you, team.